Let's pray and ask God's blessing in our time in the Word. Our Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we're in the book of Revelation, thank you that uh, as difficult as these future times will be, you're telling us about them, and that tells us you know and control them, and that gives us great comfort. So, Father, when we go through difficult times, may we know that it's no surprise to you, and your hand holds us just as firmly. So, encourage us in this time. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're in Revelation 20, verses 4 to 6, but I'm going to go ahead and read, starting at verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they had sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So we're looking at verses 4 to 6, and there's that passage. And um, just trying to think of what a scene it must be. He says, you know, I, I, I saw thrones and they sat on them. And normally you don't see thrones, except maybe it's the king and the queen, right? You don't see lots of thrones. Uh, this is the closest I could get, and these aren't exactly thrones. But there's a, uh, this is the Garter Throne Room in Windsor Castle. And those are just, I'm sure, chairs for advisors or guests. Those aren't thrones. But somehow the picture is, you know, Christ on his throne surrounded by people on their thrones. Well, let's look at verse 4. So I saw thrones and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. So let's take that first phrase. I saw thrones and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Who are them? Who's the them? A judgment was committed to them. Okay, the ones seated on the thrones, good. And who are they? Who do we think they might be at this point? It's uh, a little challenging, but um, well, let me give you a clue. What, who they're not. The phrase goes on. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and who had not worshipped the beast. Who's that describing? Those who... Uh, were, be, were, were beheaded for Jesus and did not take the mark of the beast. They didn't worship him. Tribulation martyrs and maybe, yeah, tribulation martyrs and saints that died. So what that tells me is the them is not they. <laughs> uh, the them isn't the tribulation saints who've been resurrected. 
So who is it? Oh, the 24 elders could be in that group. Yep. But I think, it's, I think we would have been told if it was just the 24 elders. I'm t- I would understand from the context, these are the raptured saints. These are the ones who came with Christ down, you know, as, as he came on the second coming. So they're, these are resurrected believers. But they're, the tribulation saints are later than them. So that, that's what makes sense there. Um, so here's some pointers that show that the church, those who are in Christ in the rapture, um, have a certain position of blessing. In Luke 22, 28 to 30, it says, those who have continued, Christ, I could put this in red letters, those who have continued with me in my trials, you are those who have continued with me in my trials, he said to his apostles. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed upon me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes. So notice, here are the 12 apostles, and he's saying, you will be with me uh, in the kingdom, and it'll be your kingdom in the sense that you will reign with me. I, I will be on a throne, and you'll be on thrones with me, and you'll be judging the 12 tribes. So the apostles are some of those that we see in Revelation 20, verse 4. Make sense? I think it's a bigger group than that. So there's the 12 apostles. And here's another passage that is somewhat familiar. The story of the minas, which has nothing to do with birds. Um, Therefore, he said, a certain noble, Jesus again speaking a parable, right? A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Who do you think that represents? Jesus, right? He's going to go away and come back to his kingdom. He called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, and said to them, do business till I come. Now, his citizens hated him. And sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. That happened in the Roman world quite a bit. You know, people would complain to Caesar that the local king wasn't any good. So, but what is this, what is this, you think of Jesus is this nobleman who's going to receive a king. What's this about, who's, who are the people who don't want him to reign over them? Jews, yeah, the Jewish people for the most part. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So it sounds like the talents, remember, that was, but that was 10, 5, 1. Here, 10 servants, he gave 10 minas, one mina each. And let's see how you did with your investments. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you are faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Master, your mind has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Now, the, the parable goes on, but, that's, but, but how do you think this applies? Or how do you think I think this applies to Revelation 20? 
service you do for Christ, the more you responsibility you have in reigning with him. Okay, so so faithful servants. So look at so draw the picture out. Here is the the one who's going to receive a kingdom. While he's gone, and maybe in face of opposition, maybe the other citizens didn't like him, they were faithful to do his business. When he came back, the more faithful they were, the more grateful, the more he gave them as privileges. Their, their service gained them rulership over cities. So they were ruling with him as, um, if you will, like as if sitting on thrones. So there's the, the distributing of the minas. Actually, this is, this, is probably the parable, this is the parable of the talents, but let's all imagine they're minas. Because actually, this is a mina. And so um, the mina, of course, was worth 100 drachmas. So we all know what that means, right? Um, so, the, so a drachma was a day laborer. Uh, one day's labor. So that coin represents a third of a year, a hundred days labor. And so um, th- this estimate says that's eight or ten thousand dollars. I think that's probably that was ten thousand two thousand ten when I got this quote. Um, probably substantially more than that. Think of one third of a common laborer's wage. That's what that one coin represents. And so they. One turned that into ten times that. If so, if we take it at ten thousand dollars, and one guy turned it into a hundred thousand dollars, good work. Shows me you've got a mind for stewardship, management, good decision. I'm going to put you over ten cities. I won't begin to speculate what would happen in our country if that was a system of choosing leaders. <laughs> I think it's the opposite. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hundred minus. Whoever makes the least of it uh, will give you the greatest opportunity. So anyway, there's, that's what's going on there. And, and again, here's the passage I read. Well done, good servant. But here's the key. The one left, he's going to come back to his kingdom. When he does, the ones who are faithfully serving in his absence are rewarded with greater levels of authority in the kingdom. Ten, king, ten cities, five cities. And so, that, so that's the principle. And I think that's what's going on here. These are faithful servants. So who's going to be sitting on those thrones? One, the twelve apostles. They were, we already told them they're going to rule over the twelve tribes of Israel. But also, those who've been faithful in serving Christ while we're waiting for our, our king to come back. And so, think about that. What that means is, we're waiting for Christ to return. What's going to happen before Christ returns that we've been talking about? What's, what's next on the calendar? Rapture. So we get our resurrection bodies. So we, can, we will have glorified bodies as he has. And then, tribulation period, he comes back, he conquers. He takes his kingdom. Those who have faithfully served... Glorified, resurrected bodies as well, they serve with him. Make sense? He'll come back as the lion. Well, he'll come back, yeah, he'll come back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Serve as a 
that lion ship, I guess. Yeah. Well, he could, there's many ways of, of, of depicting him. The lion of the tribe of Judah. We saw him as the, as the king coming on the, on the stallion, the white horse. He's said to rule with a rod of iron, and that suggests authority. Um, and so there's various ways of showing a picture of him as the coming king. So, so we'll reign with him. So, that, so what John sees when he sees those with him on the thrones, did I, that didn't, when he sees those with Jesus on the thrones, these are the ones he's been seeing. Now the question I have to ask is, so what about you? How many cities will you have? And which cities? And when I was teaching the group in Hong Kong and I talked about the concept of you know, rewarding in kingdoms, and I said, now if you've been really faithful... And when Christ comes back, you'll be given, you know, you'll have charge over Hong Kong. You know, if you've barely put in a little bit of labor, then it might be Terrell, Texas. You know, <laughs> but, but, but here's a reminder. When Christ returns, he's going to hold us accountable for our service. And it will be his joy to reward. Now, there was one, if you, if you go on in the parable, there was one who didn't serve. He remember, he took the mine and he buried it. And um, the Lord was not happy. He was punished. So that's a question to each of us, isn't it? Um, what will the master say of the stewardship I've made of what I have and who I am and with the time we have? Um, so after all that tribulation, it's got to be encouraging. They're the saints being honored. Going on in the verse... Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the, their witness to Jesus, for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And so again, who are these people now? Tribulation martyrs. We know that, right? Because they, the whole issue of the beast, they didn't worship him, they didn't take his mark, um, they were... Many of them were martyred. I think this might include those who died in whatever. I'm not sure every death of a tribulation saint will be martyrdom. It could be other circumstances. But these are the ones who died in the, you know, they didn't, um, they didn't bow the knee to the Antichrist. And so uh, they came through a time of, of terrible, um, t- t- terrible time. The seven most miserable years of human history. And many will not survive. They'll remember, they came to faith after the rapture. And, uh, and so if you think about it, kind of newborn baby Christians had a lot of growing up to do really quickly. And then um, some of them didn't make it. Here they'll be uh, sitting next to one of the apostles, sitting next to Christ, ruling with him. And so, how does that happen? So, the, 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 the first group we talked about, the apostles and the church, they were raptured before the tribulation. These saints, when, did, when do they, how did they get to be on the thrones if they died in the tribulation? 
Pardon me? When they went to heaven and, and, and a resurrection, right? So, so this is, um, they didn't get the rapture. They had to die. Um, so they, but then they're raptured. So these are actually kind of rapture pictures, but you get the idea. There's another one. Okay. So far, so good? Making sense? Verse 5. Now the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Who are the rest of the dead? Okay, Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints. I think they, I, uh, I think they're up. I'll show you that in a little bit. What did you say? Pardon? Those that aren't saved. Yeah, the unsaved that through um, throughout history. So, so these were because the, they they don't come out until the end of the thousand years. And notice they call it, this is the first resurrection. What does that mean? Okay, let's, who aren't raised have already asked that question. What's the first resurrection? Pardon me? It implies a second. It implies at least a second, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's, maybe let's keep thinking. That's the thing. Revelation, there's these little statements here. Uh, fill us in. You, gotta, you, know, you have to kind of bring in the rest of Scripture. So let's look. Verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. So is the first resurrection good or bad? Good. Let's be a part of that first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. Now getting really first resurrection, second death. If you make the first resurrection, you don't have the second death. But they shall be priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So, what do you suppose, he doesn't even use the word here, but let me just ask you, what do you suppose the first death is? Physical death. Physical death. So if, if these were resurrected, then they must have died. So they were, these are the martyrs and that sort of thing. So, so the raptured saints, that's the glory. The beauty of being in the rapture is you get to skip the dying part. Now, of course, at the rapture, those who are asleep in Christ, dead in Christ, they rise too. But, so they experience the first death. The martyrs during the tribulation period, they experienced the first death. The first resurrection is this one, the one to blessing and reward, serving with Christ in the kingdom. Make sense? So um, what is the first resurrection? Let's look at some passages of scripture and think about that. Yes. I'm a little confused. How would you be confused with the passage like this? Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm confused. Okay. Well, let's look at Revelation 
But the promise here is blessed and holy is he who is part from the first resurrection. So, though they are unsaved, in the first resurrection, they're going to be blessed and holy. Ah, those who are unsaved are the ones who do not, are not resurrected. So, yeah, so verse 4 talks about the people who, who died and are now sitting with Christ on thrones. That's the first resurrection, because they died and they've risen. Now, the, so what he says here is, the rest of the dead, they didn't rise. They, did, they will not, they don't not live until the um, they, they're not raised until the end of the thousand years. Yes. And they missed the first resurrection. That, so that statement of this is the first resurrection, like Mark said, is a little confusing. Mark said it. I didn't. I'm not going to be criticizing the Holy Spirit. And I, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's a... It's a kind of parenthetical... Yes, that's, that's a good way of viewing it. Yeah. That, so, so what that's saying is not everybody's resurrected. The, this is the believers, the reward of the believers. And I think I'd include the Old Testament saints here, and I'll show you that. But So it's the, the Old Testament saints who did not rise in the rapture, because that was only for those in Christ. Then the rapture, resurrection, 1 Thessalonians 4, those who are in Christ... Um, those and those who were killed in the tribulation, all of those are now resurrected bodies and they're serving in the kingdom. Those who have not ra- ra- been raised miss out on the first resurrection, which implies there's a second resurrection coming. Okay. How are we doing? Does Chaju have any other questions he should ask me? <laughs> I know it's kind of it's these, that's why we're only taking a few verses here this is kind of densely packed in together and that's one reason I like the Wednesday night um, you may walk out of here fuzzy um, you get a, time, a little more time to look over these verses and then on Sunday morning if you, if you didn't it'll be so crystal clear Sunday morning and the guy next to you who's groaning and doesn't get it, you're thinking, how can you, how can you not understand this? <laughs> You've had time to think about it. Now, if you just showed up on Sunday morning, these passages are a little challenging. So let's, let's move on, and maybe that'll help. Okay, so who are the raised we talked about? Who aren't raised? The unbelievers. What's the first resurrection? So let's talk about it. It starts with Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And again, remember, that's the New Testament way typically of describing the dead in Christ. Um, Fallen asleep has the idea of uh, two things I always think about when when I think of that. Someone who's fallen asleep will eventually wake up. Now, I've seen children that sometimes you wonder (laughs) takes a lot of product but they wake up and also sleep suggests comfort so this is just talking about the physical body because spiritually absent from the body present with the lord 
But the body is, in a sense, asleep. Christ is the first fruits. What's first fruits? Does that sound familiar? Hmm? It's, oh, yeah, it was one of the offerings of the Old Testament system. And so, you know, again, they were agricultural. At the beginning of the harvest, you would take the first, um, first part of the harvest that showed up, and you would bring it as an offering to the Lord. And that was really, to me, an act in a time of faith. A lot of us would want to say, let's see the harvest first, you know, and, and then we'll figure out how much we want to give. No, they would take the first part and dedicate it to the Lord, saying, Lord, you get the first and the best, and then we'll trust you for the rest. Christ is the first fruits. And here's the point. That first part of the harvest was sort of a, a signal and guarantee there's more coming. And so Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. With me so far? No. It's just that I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Now, being raised from the dead is different from the resurrection. No, this is, that's, that is resurrection. But then Lazarus ah. was raised from the dead. Yeah, well, yes, he was raised from the dead, but that was kind of a different category. Um, in that he unfortunately had to die again. And so we talked about that, I think it was talked about in Sunday school. Um, it's not technically resurrection as much as it's, um, I like to use the word revivification. I like to use that word because if you say it quickly, it will confuse people. But, but you know, to, for example, to resuscitate has the idea, if someone um, has a heart attack and you do CPR, you resuscitate them, but the, you know, the soul never left the body. Revivification is poor Lazarus. For three or four days, he was out of here. And you can just imagine how his sisters would say, oh, it's so wonderful you're alive, and he's thinking, you're going to make me do this again? Once is enough. That's the point. It's the point of man wants to die. Of course, he's an unfortunate exception. So, but it wasn't really resurrection because he didn't get the glorified body. That's, that's the okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's so... So Jesus, and so there was also Elijah. And, and who's the guy that walked with God and was not? Enoch. Enoch. They didn't die. So that was more of a rapture. First resurrection is Jesus. He's the first fruits. Make sense? How's that? I'm, I'm splitting hairs here like an attorney or something, but... It gets a little count, but that's how he can be called the first fruits because no one has resurrected until this time. He raised uh, the, 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 the widow's son, uh, Elijah raised, you know. So, so there's been some revivifications, but not resurrection because those poor folks had to die again. First fruit, Jesus. Second, then the raptured. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 23. Three verses down. Each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, those who are Christ's at his coming. And so, you know, we get to, uh, we're, we're, it's all considered part of the same 
resurrection. This is that first resurrection. First stage, now second stage. Third, the Old Testament saints um, and tribulation martyrs. So that's, so that's where I was, at first I was, forgot to mention them. Um, because Daniel 12 mentions, at the time, uh, Daniel is told, Michael, the archangel, will stand up. He is the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Michael, the archangel, is specifically assigned for the care of Israel. Even to that time, and at that t- he, until, until the tribulation and the resurrection, he's going to be there. He ha- that's his assignment. At that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who's written in the book. So there's, there's coming a time which will be a time of trouble. That's the tribulation. God will see his people through it. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. There's two types of resurrection. The resurrection to life and the resurrection to uh, shame and contempt. So... There are three phases to the first resurrection, the resurrection to life. And so you need a chart. So I've got charts. Here's one. Um, This calls them four different resurrections. Technically, I would say, well, here, there's two of them. First, let me give myself a little laser pointer here. Okay, here's Jesus Christ. Then the rapture of the church age believers, the living and the dead. Then the Old Testament believers and the tribulation believers who died. Okay? And then there's coming a final resurrection to judgment. This is the resurrection of life. This is the resurrection of judgment. Blessed are those who are part of this resurrection. Pardon me? We're talking about number three. Yeah. Well, all of this. Because that's what he's saying. They're part of the first resurrection. Wait a minute. He's talking about, he was talking about these. This is all first resurrection. I'll show you another chart. Okay. Um, so here, here it is, and it's really using that terminology, the first resurrection and the second resurrection. The first, stage one, resurrection of Christ. And notice, that's the first fruits. Stage two, that's the church, the living and the dead. Stage three, I like, and that's the harvest. I like this, because I was thinking before I saw this chart, how do we, um, well, if the first fruits, how do we describe the other two stages? This is it. You can tell I'm not a farmer, okay? First fruits, Christ. The harvest, that's the church age, 2,000 years and counting. 
That's all, the, all the, those who are in Christ who died and those who are alive at the return of Christ. That's the harvest. Stage three is the gleanings. When you say gleanings, who do you think of? Ruth. All right. Good. And so, that, so anyway, there's the, that's the tribulation martyrs and the Old Testament saints. So for seven years, while we're resurrected and waiting in heaven, we'll all be talking about, I wonder what Abraham looks like. Who, who do you think he'll talk to first? What about Moses? And, you know, so so we'll, be, we'll be eager to greet them, but then they'll probably be saying, shh, everyone to your throne. The Lord's assigning seats and, and, and giving us responsibilities. But that's all blessed is he. How does he say it um, at the end of verse 5? This is the first resurrection. And then verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. So it gets a little complex, doesn't it? That's because of the three phases to it. But it makes sense when you put it in terms of agriculture. First fruits, harvest, gleanings. First resurrection. That's the one you want. But that, that's by grace through faith. The second resurrection is under judgment. We'll see that um, later on in verse uh, 7. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And then verse um, 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. So that's the resurrection to judgment. That's not the resurrection. That's resurrection two, and you don't want that one. First resurrection. Yes, sir. This one? There'll be a time of trouble, which is something tribulation says. Uh, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. Is that a reference to Romans 11, where all Israel will be saved? Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, this is the... Um, see, the tribulation is really about Israel. Remember, Daniel in chapter 9, was, God was saying, God has a program for your people. Seventy-sevenths. The last seven years, it, it finishes off the program for Israel. And, and that's when he's saying, and your people will be saved. But it'll be hard. But, you know, so, you know, Michael the archangel will be, you know, there. Remember, they're going to have to flee, flee to the wilderness and they'll be hunted by Satan and the Antichrist. But all Israel uh, will be saved. Yeah. Everyone who's found written in the book, the elect. Right. Well, the Messianic Jews of now are in the church age. They're raptured. But yes, the, the, this, and this is, here's the point. We often talk about the Jews don't believe. Some do, and Paul emphasized there's always a remnant. And Paul said, I'm a remnant. I'm Jewish. I believe. The 12 apostles, we're Jewish. We believe. So, but the minority of Jews have been believers, but in the tribulation, There'll still be Jewish unbelievers. The majority, the nation as a whole, will believe. Um, and, and there's 
a couple passages in Zechariah 14 or 12. It says, they will look on me whom they, God speaking, they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn as for an only son. So those dear saint, the, the Messianic Jews of the tribulation period, when they're coming to faith and when they see, when they, when they see Christ by faith, they're going to think we've rejected him for 2,000 years. And then Isaiah 53 is thought to be their confession. Who has believed our report? You know, he, he did this for us, and yet we esteemed him, esteemed him stripped and smitten of God. So that's their, Isaiah 53 is the prayer of Israel when they're coming to faith in the tribulation period. Not every single Jew, but the great majority, the nation as a whole. And that's why, remember Paul says, but not all Israel is Israel. It's the elect Israelites. But right now, the believing Israelites are a remnant. They're a minority. Um, in the end time, that's going to that's gonna flip. Good question. Good question. This is tough, isn't it? You'd think three verses. How, can you find anything to say in those three verses? And you're thinking, three verses? Why'd you take on so much? <laughs> okay, so you're with me. So, again, here's that chart we showed you. Here's this other chart that puts it in terms of harvests. Here's one I've created. Um... So there's the resurrection of Christ, right? Christ the first fruits. That then comes in the church age. Then Christ will come to gather up his people. The church dead and living are taken up. That's the rapture. That's the harvest. Okay. Then there's the, the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, the time of Jacob's trouble that Daniel was talking about too. You're going to go through a time of trouble. But then, the, when Christ comes back to establish his kingdom, he will resurrect. He won't rapture any living ones because the, 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 those who survive as believers, they're going to populate the kingdom. But he's going to resurrect those who died as believers and the Old Testament saints. And then we enter into the kingdom. And they, there's Christ's crown, but they'll get crowns too. And so, um, and they'll, you know, they'll sit on thrones. The apostles will rule over Israel and et cetera, et cetera. That all makes sense so far? When yes. Got a question. Uh-oh, question coming in. When will those, oops, wait a minute, just one minute. Um, when will those say during the millennium, Okay, so we're looking ahead. Keep moving on. We'll see where the crown is. Here's the, here's the kingdom. By the way, I, always, I should tell you, this chart is not to scale. Because okay? <laughs> it looks like the tribulation is longer than the kingdom. Okay, So in the kingdom, let, let's remember. So who? let's think through. When Christ comes back, the enemies who opposed him destroyed. Then there's the judgment, remember, of the sheep and the goats. Only believers will survive to enter into the kingdom. Jew and Gentile alike. Only, but only believers. They'll go into the kingdom. They'll be there for a thousand years. 
and they still have their non-glorified mortal bodies. They will have families, they will have children. Not every child born to those believers will trust in Christ. And so after a thousand years, there will be a, a vast host of unbelievers born during the, the, the kingdom. Satan, when he's released, we'll get to that in a couple of Sundays, I think. Satan, when he's released, will stir them up and lead a rebellion, final destruction, then great white throne judgment. Now, what about those who die during the kingdom? So, do you understand the question here? Because there will be mortals. And the mortals and the resurrected saints are going to be like living together. Yes. So, mortals and now, you know, and and resurrected saints will be, you know, living together. The 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 resurrected saints will be ruling over them, and. Um, it wouldn't be great, you know, you're having a discussion of what in the world does this mean in Leviticus? And Moses comes over and sits down and said, let me lay it out for you. <laughs> here, here are, you know, but in other words, they would be giving leadership, uh, righteous, holy, godly, perfect leadership for that thousand years. And yet some will be unbelievers. The unbelievers who die are not a part of the first resurrection. They'll be resurrected to the great white throne judgment. They're in the resurrection. What about believers who die? And so in this chart, express it this way. After the millennium, you see the millennial dead. Now, what do you notice? And, and you see I've got a question mark. Will believers die in the kingdom? That's why my question mark and a different colored text. When you, when you have a question like that that's really straightforward and clear and you want resolved, you go to the commentaries. What do they do? They, they avoid it. They ignore it. They look like a presidential press conference. <laughs> uh, they do, they, um, I'll, I'll just give you a couple names that, that did actually make a statement. Um, David Jeremiah, Tim LaHaye, both are clear. But only unbelievers die in the kingdom. Um, and let me tell you why. Isaiah 65, 20. Isaiah 65, 20 is, is a passage I think is compelling to, to help us understand the kingdom. 65, 20. Um, this is speaking of the kingdom. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. And so one of the problems, um, one of the heartaches of life in this world is, is those who die young, those who die in infancy or stillbirth. So that's not going to happen, he's saying. Not in the kingdom. That's the lifting, not removal, but the lifting of the curse. An old man who is, will not die, who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old. So if you die at a hundred, and I've mentioned this passage before, if someone dies at a hundred, you'll say, oh, so young. 
where we say, I can't believe he made it to 100. In the kingdom, they'll be too bad. Um, But the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. And so here's what it's saying. Here's how Lahay and Jeremiah understand that. If you die at 100, that will show you that you are under, you were judged. And they're saying that the believers, it doesn't say anything about them dying in the kingdom. So based on that, but, but, what's, but my one problem with that here from this verse is, it's kind of speaking from silence. It doesn't say, and the believers won't die. But now skipping ahead back to Revelation. So do you understand what I'm saying from chapter Isaiah 65, 20? And by the way, just as a point of interesting coincidence, Tim LaHaye and David Jeremiah pastored the same church. They're in, Sacramento, in San Diego. I think, I'm not sure, but David Jeremiah may have replaced uh, Tim LaHaye, but it's the same, so maybe that's, it's in the water at that church. But back to the great white throne of Revelation 20. Um, I, so I, I, he sees Satan is cast into um, the lake of fire in oh, verse uh, 10 of 20. Then he sees the great white throne in verse 11, him who sat on it. Verse 12, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were opened, another book was opened. The dead were judged according to their works and by the things written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and Hades. They were judged, each one according to the work. Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. Anyone not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is nothing stated specifically about those who are believers. And now when it says anyone who is not written in the book of life goes to the lake of fire, maybe we assume from that some were believers. But, it, but this whole resurrection, this resurrection is a resurrection to judgment. And so that would seem to support, as a matter of fact, I've, I've actually been kind of dragging my heels and kicking and complaining but I think there is some support. Now, on Sunday, maybe I'll say something different. But um, there seems some support for the idea that believers won't die in the kingdom. And it'll only be a, a, as a judge, the judgment of sinners. Perhaps. If, if believers die in the kingdom, then they would have to be, after the, after the kingdom, resurrected. And we're not specifically told that in Revelation 20. Because the only thing we see raised are those who go on to judgment. No, you know, and the judgment of the great white throne, it's all condemnation. There's no one, you know, it's, all, it's just condemnation. There's no reward there. So that supports their logic. I probably should be like the great commentators and just not just skip around it. But I thought I'd at least put you out there so you could decide who you want to listen to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna make you know they're gonna leave Methuselah in the dust. Not by much. Not by not, but not by much. And so. Yeah, they could be. They could be. You know, um, yes, they could be old. 
Because, you know, you could have been an older person entering into the tribulation. Yeah. And so they could be over a thousand years old, some of them. Yeah. Good point. So, so that would be, but again, what's going on is the, the curse is greatly lifted. Uh, disease is greatly lifted. There is no death in childhood. Um, and so that would be a reflection of the, kind of like this is how God intended life on earth to be. So it kind of makes sense when you think back to Genesis when they were living 900 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, so it does make sense when you look at some of the, the old people in Genesis. And again, the whole point of this is, and they were um, under that cursed world. This will be during the um, redeemed world. The sin is still there, but greatly diminished in its curse. So could be. Plus, uh, you know, uh, maybe they'll be on vegetarian diets and that will help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so make kind of so that all kind of makes sense. So so back to what we've sent, and then so here, blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. They shall be priests of God, and Christ shall reign with them a thousand years. Okay. Yep. Oh, we have a question. Yes. From David. But if believers born in millennium don't die, they still won't have glorified bodies. Ah, good point. So they would be translated, I guess, at that point. That's a good point. So there still need to be some kind of a resurrection action. Good point. Because they have to be given a body that's suitable for eternity. Very good point. Now we're saying, so... So if you lived all the way through the, 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 uh, the millennium, um, but now you still need a body that's suitable for eternity. So you'll, you'll need a, a transformed body. So, be, so, must, so there's got to be a rapture uh, of some sort for all those who are alive, let alone um, perhaps those who have died. Good point. Do you see why prophecy can be a challenge for people? It, it's kind of, a, it's tough kind of, but I think we're supposed to spend some time thinking about it. And so I just ask again, what's the second death? What do you think the second death is? That's the, that's, that's the lake of fire. So there's, there's a physical death. Remember what Jesus said back in John chapter 11? I'm the resurrection and life. He who believes in me Though he dies, she'll, she'll, she'll never, you know, he, he's not going to die. Well, how, wait a minute. How can you die but not die? Because there's two deaths. So the first death is the normal death since, since Adam and Eve. There's a generation, and, I, and it could very well be ours, that's going to skip the death part. And I you know this. You know, sometimes you know, is, are we in the end times? It very well could be, and it seems like there might be some justice. You know, they always say there's only two things sure: death and taxes. Since taxes keep rising, that'd be a great time to not have to do the death part. You know, it's kind of a balance. But um, there's a generation coming where they won't 
die. And that's what Paul's talking about in Second Corinthians 5. Uh, better to be clothed upon with life than to, be, than to have this body taken in death. Anyway, uh, so, so then comes the tribulation. Um, many, 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 many will come to faith. Those who live through it will enter into the kingdom. Those who don't will be raised to rule with Christ. Uh, and at the end of the kingdom, the unbelievers are raised unto judgment. And the believers get their resurrection bodies for eternity. Good thing that to be dead again is not so. Pardon me. So to be born again is a good thing, but to be dead again is not such a good. Yes. Thing. <laughs> born again, good. Dead again, bad. <laughs> yeah. Better to be born twice and die once than born once and die twice. Pardon me. <laughs> For those who are born in the millennium and become believers, those are also covered by the death of Christ? Yes. So, yes. Always, always. Because they're still, these are still have the, the sin nature. Uh, so they are still sinners. And they too will be, um, or their sin is covered by the death of Christ. Yes. As we, you know, it's often been said, you know, when Christ died, all our sins were future. And so theirs as well. Yeah, because they'll need to believe. And, and, and you could just um, imagine parents being very well aware of that will be pleading, urging their children to trust Christ as Savior. Good. Well, we did a great job of making three verses complex. <laughs> And extenuate it. But, uh, but, but think about it. We'll come back Sunday and it'll all be crystal clear to you. I'm glad Jesus was confused because I didn't want to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see the value of kind of wrestling with even, you know, thank you, David, for calling in or texting in and asking some questions too and making some good comments. Good. And Grace texted in and said, Chetu is asking all the clarifying questions. <laughs> see? You got you to gotta roll here, Chetu. That's all right. And isn't that how it is when you're in class often? You think, oh, I'm glad he asked that question. Oh, that's what I was troubled about. So good. Doing your job. Good. Well, let's um, pray. We'll let, turn off the uh, webcast after that, and then we'll take prayer time. Uh, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, and we confess it is uh, challenging to, to see how it all fits together. And yet, Lord, we thank you that you have a plan that is perfect and gracious. And Lord, I thank you for the mercy that you not only save us and then grow us and equip us to serve you, and then you reward us for the service we give by your grace. And so, Father, thank you for this time to think about these things together. How I pray, Father, for each one who hears these words and our loved ones, that they might know Christ as Savior and have the glorious hope We've talked about tonight as theirs. May, may they be a part of that first resurrection. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.